Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. Man, was worship not so good? Let's give the Lord just an offering of praise this morning. Man, that was so good. Just love being at the throne room of God and worshiping together in community. I want to welcome those of you that are worshiping online with us and also those of you that are first time this morning. Uh, welcome to Warehouse Church. We hope that you uh, find this to be a place of home. My name is Rick. I have the honor and privilege of being the pastor here. And I'm super excited about summer and I'm super excited about this summer series, uh, Daniel. Uh, we're going to be journeying through the book of Daniel and we are going to be following God in Babylon. Uh, and uh, so I'm super, super pumped about that. I hope you are too. And, uh, and each week, we're just going to dive into a chapter of the book of Daniel. We're going to discover um, how we as Christians can live and what really much seems like Babylon right now in the world that we live in. And whether we like it or not, and, and thinking about this, whether we like it or not, uh, these past few years uh, in, our, in our country have shaken our culture uh, so much and, and we've dealt with so many different things. We've dealt with the pandemic. We've dealt with racism. We've dealt with violence and so much more. And uh, politics and just, uh, uh, just polarization of people and their beliefs. And, and there's so much that we have dealt with, so many ground-shaking factors that, that it really it has upset so much around me. And I know that the same is true for you as we think about all that we have endured and all that we have experienced over these past few years. And, and here's the reality. The truth is this, and it's nothing new, but we live in a fallen and unstable world. And that's just the world we live in. And many times uh, it's hard. It's hard for us to know how we should react, right, to all of this. As followers of Jesus, uh, how do we live in this crazy world that we live in? And so often we're caught off guard or so often we're like, I just don't know like which way to go. I don't know what, what decision to make. I don't know how to act uh, as a Christian in the midst of this craziness. And, and, and I don't know uh, if you've ever flown to a foreign destination or not, but I've had uh, the privilege of going to a few different places. And, uh, and as I've gone to these places, I've learned in my travels that it's really, really important to have a really, really good guide. Like if you are going to a different place, it's really important to have a guide uh, that knows their way around. And, uh, and so um, uh, now what makes a good guide? Like what is it that makes a good guide when you're traveling abroad is that they know the language, number one, right? Like it's really important that they know the language, especially if you don't know the language. And it's really important that they know the, la la the lay of the land, that they know how to get from point A to point B. But more than that, that they know what's going on in the, in the culture, and they know the lay of the land. And when I went to South Africa, we had such a guide, and we got to become really good friends with our guide in South Africa. His name was Prosper, and, uh, and Prosper knew, like we went to Johannesburg, and we went to Cape Town, and, uh, and he knew he knew the languages there. There was multiple languages. He knew the languages there. He knew the people there, and he knew how to get around, and he knew what was going on. And, uh, and, 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 and he, be, he was so familiar with every place that we went, and I learned so much about South Africa and its culture from Prosper. And, uh, and so it's so important to, to have a really good guide when you're in a foreign land. And, and as we find ourselves in a culture that is ever-changing and maybe even seem a little foreign to us, it's hard to navigate. It's hard to navigate through that, and we need a prosper in our lives. We need a guide. We need a guide that is worth listening to because he or she knows what they're talking about, and, and we need one that is worth following because they know their way around. 
And, uh, and so Prosper, one night, we had a free night. We were in, um, we were in Johannesburg, and, uh, and he said, hey, uh, you have a free night to go and find some dinner. He, and he told us, he said, like, I would stay away from this part of town. I'd go over here. I would stay away from here. And he just knew we need that kind of guide in our life. Someone who is going to set the example for us. Someone who is going to chart the course for us. Someone who's going to point the way and say, this is how to navigate a culture where its values don't necessarily line up with yours. And we need that. And that's why for the next couple of months, we are going to follow Daniel through Babylon And everything that he loved, if you know the story of Daniel, you know that everything that he loved, his culture, his land, his city, even the temple that he worshiped at was completely destroyed. And after it was all taken away from him, he and his friends were taken to a foreign land completely against their will. So he was in a foreign land. He was in a place that didn't have the same culture and values that he had. And he had to learn to navigate And he did it in such a good way and in such a way that I feel like we can learn some things as we navigate through the culture and the land that we find ourselves in. You see, in the first half of the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament, it's towards the end of the Old Testament, and in the first half of the book of Daniel, it gives us these amazing narratives, amazing stories of what it's like to live in a place where what you value, where the values, where your values and the values of the culture around you don't line up. And and so that's Daniel's story. And, And isn't that the struggle for us today? Like, isn't that what we struggle with? We live in this place. We live in this world where our values, the things that we value are in constant tension with the values of our culture. And we need help. We need help navigating our way through our modern-day Babylon. So Daniel gives us a great example, an amazing example of who to follow and who to listen to in the midst of these situations. Because here's what we know is that Daniel and his friends lived in a culture that held different values. Now, when we talk about values, you might be like, well, what does that, what does that mean? What are, you, what are you talking about when you talk about values? Well, when we talk about values, we're really talking about two things. Number one, we're talking about the values that we live out, right? Like our actions and our attitudes and our words. And, and those are values. And then there are those values that we also believe to be true. Those things that we have uh, settled in our heart to believe to be true, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Right? That's a value. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's a a value that we hold on to. Here at at Warehouse Church, we have five values that we hold on to. We say we're going to live differently or love differently, right? We're going to say that we're going to live real, that we're going to grow intentionally or purposefully. We say that we're going to celebrate stories and we're going to always be thinking legacy. Those are the values that we believe to be non-negotiable and true. And so how we live our lives and what we believe are values that are so important to us. As a matter of fact, our values impact the way that we live our lives. Your values, the things that you believe, they affect the way that you live your life. They affect the way that you talk. They affect the way that you treat one another. They affect the way that you love others. That's what our values do. They impact the way we live our lives. And for Daniel, 
For Daniel, his values were so important. They were so important because he was entering into Babylon and he was entering into a culture where his values and his beliefs were drastically different than his own. That the values and the beliefs of those who lived in Babylon were vastly different than what he grew to know. And so he had to ask himself this really important question. And the question is this, how do I live out my values in a world that doesn't believe the same things that I do? Now, I don't know if you thought about this or not, but we don't live in a Christian nation anymore. Like we live in a post-Christian world. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. And it's a question we all need to wrestle with. How do I live out my values in a world that doesn't believe the same things that I do. That's what Daniel had to wrestle with. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel this tension every day. Like I feel the tension. I live in a world that I know that doesn't believe the same things that I do. And there's this constant tension between my values and the values of those around me. You see, I feel like we're living in Babylon 2023. Like I think you can make a movie called Babylon 2023, and we're living in this world that is so vastly different from what we believe. And so as we dive into Daniel, here's what I, I know, is that we find it possible. Let me just say that again. We find that it is possible to live out our values in a culture that has vastly different values. And we can even do this. Check this out. Not only can we live, it's possible to live in that culture, but we can also uh, discover that we can also influence that culture that is so different from ours to see our works and our lives be transformed by it. That others can be transformed by our lives when we live our lives in such a way that we're resolved to live by our values we will see that Daniel and his young friends uh, were pulled out of their homeland, that they are dragged to this foreign land against their will, and they are serving under the most powerful king in the world at their time. And because of Daniel's conduct, and because of his faith, and because of his values, the most important person, the most powerful person in that time said this to Daniel. He said, Daniel... Your God is the God, capital G, of gods, and he is the Lord of all kings. Daniel influenced the most powerful king of that time, and his king said that about him. And the question that we want to answer as we go through this book is, well, what did he do? Like, what, did, what can we learn from Daniel? What did he do to have the most powerful king say this about him? How did he live his life? What did he do? What values did he live by that provoked such a statement from such a powerful king? And if you think that there, uh, if you're thinking, well, Pastor Rick, there is a much bigger gap today between our values and the values of our culture compared to what Daniel was experiencing. If that's what you think, you would be wrong. Like you would be wrong in thinking that because the gap between Daniel and the culture that he was thrown into was way bigger than the one that we are experiencing right now. You see, there's some reasons why. First, Babylon had a powerful king that destroyed the land that they loved. Like the, the King Nebuchadnezzar was a tyrant and he was a king that just went by and destroyed other kingdoms and sucked them up. 
And we don't have a ruler like that today that, uh, that has destroyed our land and taken us somewhere else. But that is the case with Daniel. If you look with me in Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to go through some verses in chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, Daniel chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, In the third year, the reign of Joachim, uh, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Like totally took it and destroyed it. That word besiege is like he annihilated Jerusalem. You see, Israel, where Jerusalem was, and Babylon had history. And the Israelites would continually, continually defy Babylon. And as a result, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army would come in and they would attack uh, Jerusalem and they, would, uh, and, and, and they would take people out of Jerusalem until 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar had had enough. And he just went in and he destroyed the entire place, just annihilated Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem is destroyed, and that's where Daniel finds himself as we start in chapter 1. And you might think that you have it tough, and I might think that I have it tough where I live with my values, but you and I, we are not living under that kind of rule. And not only that, but Babylon had different religious and educational curriculum. Like they had a curriculum that everyone went through. And Daniel grew up, he grew up in a totally different culture. Daniel grew up knowing the first five books of the Bible. It wasn't anything for them to memorize the first. They didn't have Bibles that they could just hand out. Like there were no Gideons back then handing out Bibles. They had to memorize the scripture. And so they knew the first five books of the Bible. And Daniel spent his life worshiping the God of the Bible. He, he spent his life worshiping Yahweh, and, but now, now he's been taken into this new land, into Babylon, where they're teaching him a whole different way of life, a whole different way of life with different values and different beliefs and different gods. And here's what verse 3, it says. It says, then the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men, which Daniel was, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And so this is where Daniel is. He's been basically kidnapped and taken, and he's been told, you're going to learn everything Babylonian. And I know there, there's a lot of debate today on, on, on what books should be in our kids' libraries and what different classes we should have. But Daniel, Daniel didn't have a choice. He sat for three years in a classroom listening to all things Babylonian. The instructions and the literature and the beliefs and the language that Daniel was learning was the complete opposite of the values that he had grown up not knowing his entire life. He had to rethink everything that he had ever learned. And then it goes on in verse 5, and it says this. It says, the king, again, King Nebuchadnezzar, assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were, enter, they were to enter into the king's service. So right away... Daniel finds himself in some conflict because now Daniel is being forced to eat food that he normally wouldn't eat. He was forced to eat wine that he normally wouldn't drink. He was uh, forced or he was confronted 
with compromise, that he would have to compromise his faith because it associated him with false god worship. Like they didn't eat the foods that the Babylonians eat because it was against their religion. Bo agrees with me. It was against their, their religion. He wouldn't eat the food. He wouldn't drink the wine. And so Daniel finds himself right away in this really bad spot. But as we get to know him, we find that, that, that um, how he responds is completely different than how you and I would respond probably in the same situation. Not only was Daniel under this evil rule that worshipped other gods, and not only was he indoctrinated with teachings that were the complete opposite of what he grew up with, but Babylon was spiritually hostile. He was in a spirit, it was a spiritually hostile environment, and as opposed to what Daniel uh, believed and what he valued. So Daniel's being confronted with his beliefs uh, from all different angles. Look at verse 6 and 7 with me. It says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah. There was Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name was Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. And let me just uh, lay this out for you. This was a big deal because everyone in the kingdom was under authority. And, and so Daniel was under the king, but there were many that were above Daniel that he was under. And the chief official was his like direct report. That was the person that he was directly under. And the chief official was a eunuch. And, and in the ancient world, a eunuch was a man who a king uh, brings in for the sole purpose of serving the king. That was the entire purpose of what the eunuch did. And to ensure their loyalty, to ensure that the eunuch wouldn't go off and fall in love and get married and, and, and maybe want to even um, dethrone the king, the, eunuch would, or the king would have every eunuch castrated. So every eunuch. And so Daniel not only was taken out of his homeland, not only is he brought into this foreign culture where their values are drastically different, not only has he been indoctrinated with different ideas, but he has potentially changed forever to ensure loyalty to the king. And what's more is the names. Names in Jewish culture were so important. Like you just didn't pick a name out of a, out of a book of 101 different names. You weren't just called after or named after a movie star. Like your name had to mean something. Your name meant something. And so uh, it was a big deal. And it tells us right here that the chief official, one of the first things he does is he changes their names. He takes away their Jewish name, and he gives them a new name. You see, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah all had names that talked about their allegiance to God. Their name meant something. And every time their name was spoken, it reminded them of their loyalty to Yahweh, to God. It reminded them of how God loved them and how they were to live their lives for God. So their names meant something. But in this spiritually hostile environment, one of the first things that they do is the Babylonians change their names. And it changed their names to reflect the gods of Babylonian, the gods of Babylon. And so Daniel's given a new name, uh, Belteshazzar, and where we see Bel, which is one of the gods of the Babylonians. So now Daniel is being reminded that he now serves under a king who worships other gods. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their names all 
pointing to the gods of the Babylonians. Every one of their names points or has a uh, verbiage from the gods that they worship. So how do we live? How do we live in, a, in such a way that we can hold on to our values, right? How do we hold on to our values and even make a difference in this culture that shares such different values from us? How do we do that? Well, you see, the tension that Daniel and his friends experienced was the tension of compromise. Everybody say compromise. You see, they were being constantly faced with the temptation to compromise their values and beliefs. And I bet you know what that's like. I bet you've experienced that same temptation to compromise your values and your beliefs. It reminds me of what a comic once said. A comic once said, my wife, my wife wanted a dog. I didn't want a dog. So we compromised and we got a dog, right? Like that's what compromise is and compromise here in, in, our, in our story means that I have these values. I have these values that I hold on to so tightly, but they interact with a culture that has different values from me. And here's my choices. I can either blend in with that culture and I can adopt their values and abandon mine, which would be compromise, or I can choose to hold on to my values, stand where I am, and experience the consequences as they come. Like, that's the choice we have. We can either blend in. We can blend in and we can compromise by adopting our culture's values and abandoning our own, or we can stand up and hold on to our values and, and, and just experience the consequences as they come. You see, our kids today, as I look at our kids, they are faced with compromise now more than ever. They are faced with the temptation to compromise their values. They are invited to compromise their values in every way. And that is why we must continue to think legacy here at Warehouse Church. That's why I think legacy is one of our most important values because we want to always be raising up the generation behind us to be resolved to hold on to the values of the Bible and the values that God has laid out for us. And so Daniel and his friends, they show us how we handle how we handle the temptation to compromise in a world that doesn't believe the same things that we do. And the question that we have to constantly ask ourselves is how do I influence a culture that doesn't have the same values as I do? How do I do that? And you might think, you know what? It's hard. Like it's hard right now to be a Christian in America. And I agree with you, it's hard. But Daniel served an evil king. And, and he was faced with indoctrination like never before. And he even changed, they tried to change his identity by changing his name. And he was asked to engage in behaviors that went against his values. And Daniel does four things that I think are great. Four great things to help us getting started and thinking about how do I live my life in such a way that I don't abandon my values in a world that has different values than me. And it starts in verse eight by answering what he's gonna do. And here's what verse eight says of chapter one. It says, but Daniel, everybody say, but. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. 
And so we learned some things. First thing that we learned about Daniel is that he resolved not to defile himself. That Daniel said to himself and made a decision in his mind and in his heart. He said, these are my values. These are the things that I hold to be true. And I am resolving not to compromise on what I hold to be true. He resolved to do that. You see, being an influencer begins by resolving which values are worth standing up for. Daniel came to this point in his life where he said, these are my values, these are my beliefs, and I hold on to them so tightly that I will do whatever it takes to keep my values. I'm not abandoning my values. I'm not trading them in for other values. I am holding on to what I believe to be true. And I wonder, do you have values like that? Do you have values that are so important to you that you are resolved to follow them regardless of where they take you, good or bad? Like, do you hold on? Are you resolved in your life to hold on to the values that you have? Daniel and his friends were resolved, and they were resolved to the point that it leads them to the lion's den, and it leads them to the fiery furnace. They were willing to stand up for their values regardless of the consequences They're like, this is it. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not crossing the line. These are my values, and I'm not crossing that line. I'm not abandoning my values. And I wonder, are you, are we willing to hold on to our values no matter what the consequences? So we might lose some Facebook friends, but we're holding on to our values. We might have some people in our lives that don't talk to us anymore, but we're holding on to our values. You see, now Daniel, he found his values in God's word. Like I said, he grew up on the first five books of the Bible. He grew up knowing who God was and knowing that God loved him. And that's where he found his values. He didn't find them in himself. He didn't find them in his culture. Rather, he found them in the value maker. He found them in God, and God was going to tell him what he was going to value and what he wasn't going to. He came to a place where the values of the culture didn't match his own and he was not willing to compromise. He was resolved that he would not eat the food or he would not drink the wine sacrificed to the gods of the Babylonians. And when he was faced, and when we're faced with compromise, what do we do? What do we do when compromise comes before us? And I know that it does. Like compromise, we are faced with compromise because we live in a world that values different things from us. And when we're faced with compromise, what do we do? Look at verse 8 again. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official, he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel could have done a lot of things at this point. He could have tried to escape. He could have organized a revolt. He could have done so many different things. He could have compromised, but what did he do? He asked the chief official, the one above him, his authority, he asked the chief official not to defile himself, and, and for permission not to defile himself. And when we come to a point when our culture's values and our values don't match, and they're imposing something on us that we feel is compromised, we should do what Daniel does. And this is the second thing we learned from Daniel, that we start by asking for an exemption when your values come in conflict with, with others. 
You ask yourself, ask for an exemption. That's what Daniel did. He didn't organize a campaign. He didn't run away. He, he didn't badmouth the people on Facebook. He went to those in authority and he said, hey, he said, what you're asking me to do goes against my values. Is there any way that you can make an exception? There's a story about a man who was working way too much and at his job and his job was demanding too much and he had this value in his life. His value was that he would be home for his family in the evenings and during the weekends. But he was finding that his job was demanding 60 and 65 and 70 and 75 hours a week. And he saw and read about Daniel and he saw that Daniel had asked for an exemption. So that's what he did. He went to his boss And he said, listen, the only way I can do this job, the only way I can continue to work here is for 45 hours a week because of the value that I have of being home and present with my kids and my wife. And he said, I believe that I can get the job that you're asking me to do done in in 45 hours. Can I have an exemption? And his boss reluctantly said yes, and now he is the leader of one of the largest organizations in his field in America because he asked for an exemption, because he was brave enough and courageous enough to say, here's my line in the sand. Like, I need to be present with my family, with my wife, and with my kids, and I'm happy to work 45 hours, but at the end of that, I'm out. I'm done. Like, that's all I can do, and God blessed him. You see, there may be situations that you find yourself in where you feel like the values of your work uh, are asking you to compromise what you believe. And like Daniel, we need to start with the people that are in authority over us. And now, do you think that Daniel's supervisor immediately agreed and was doing cartwheels and excited about it? No, because we read on in verse 9, and here's what it says. It said, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should you see... Uh, Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And so the eunuch, the chief officer over him, immediately just starts thinking of himself and begins to think about what's going to happen to me if I let him have this exemption. He's like, if I put you on a different diet than all of the other Uh, all the others and the king notices he's like it's off with my head like he's gonna have my head and uh and i don't know if i'm really excited about that and but we we get the impression though as we read this we get the impression that daniel um has built this relationship between him and the chief official like daniel has taken time to build in a relationship and and daniel has lived in such a way that the chief even begins to entertain just the, the potential of him entertaining the thought was a big deal. And, and this leads to the third thought that I think we can learn from Daniel, and it's this. If we're going to influence, we need to be a person who listens intently to those who have concerns about your values. Like, we need to be better listeners. We really do. Like, communication, we think communication is all blah, blah, blah. But God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we would listen twice as much as we talk. And Daniel was a person who built relational equity with those who were in authority over him to the point that the chief chief officer wanted to try and help Daniel and come up with a solution. And one of the things that Daniel did so well was that when authority had different values than him, he listened. 
He listened and he cared for them even though they didn't see eye to eye. And that's not something that we do often enough in our world that we live in today. We don't listen often nearly enough to people who have different values than us. And so often I hear people that don't have the same values that we do, whether politically or racially or religiously or whatever, I hear those people say this. They say, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why they vote that way. I don't understand how they can believe what they believe. I don't understand how they can do what they do. And we constantly, I constantly hear people say, I don't understand. And why? Well, Daniel lays down the foundation for us. How often, think about this, how often do we pause and how often do we listen to people who don't think, who don't vote, or who don't believe the same way that we do? How often have we sat down with someone and just listened to their heart and listened to why they don't do the things or believe the things that we believe? How many people right now do you have in your life that don't think like you? Like how many people do you have in your life that don't vote like you or don't believe like you that you are listening to and trying to understand their perspective? How many people do you have? Like in seminary, one of the things that challenged me the most is this idea of listening to people who think, believe, and act differently than I do. And what I'm learning from that is that very rarely do people's values change when we have those kinds of conversations, but I know this, that what does change is my level of compassion for those people. That my level of compassion and love and care for those people that think and vote and believe differently than I do increases when I take the opportunities to listen and try and understand their perspective. You see, we need to be like Daniel, who listens and seeks to understand what we don't understand so that even though our values don't change, our compassion for those people will. And we will become more compassionate. When we live our lives in such a way that we listen to those in authority who are different, and when we ask for an exemption, they are going to be more open to hearing what you have to say. And verse 11 goes on to, and leads us to our last point. It says, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So for 10 days, Daniel's like, just give us vegetables and water just and see that we don't look just as good as those that are eaten from the king's table. Just test and see. And at the end of those 10 days, if we're looking worse than them, if we're looking ragged, if we're looking uh, like emaciated, then you do what you got to do. But give us a chance. Give us 10 days. And in verse 15 says, at the end of the 10 days, check this out. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So it was like the, the men that were eating the royal food, they were going to McDonald's every day. And Daniel and his boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were going to the garden every day. And they were looking way healthier than the McDonald's crew. And it was Daniel and his friends 
that resolved in their lives that this is what we value most. And because of their resolution, because of their resolve, and because of their conduct, and because of their listening, and because of their compassion towards those in authority over them, even though their values were completely different, they agreed to an exception. And in this case, God blessed it. And then look at what it says in verse 16. It says, so the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And here's the last point that I want you to know today. The last point is this. It says, find a way, find a way to show how your values add value to others. Like when you resolve in your heart to live the values that you believe to be true, it should affect your, your behavior and your actions and those behaviors and those actions should show others that there's value to what you believe in. We have beliefs that we hold on to dearly. And for those of us who want to follow God in Babylon, who want to follow Jesus, what story are we telling with the values of our behavior when we're confronted with compromise? Because here's the reality. The world is watching The world is looking to see how you, as a Christian, if you're known as a follower of Jesus, they're watching and they want to see if you're willing to compromise and cross the line of what you believe to be true. And so do we have a history? Do you have a history? Like Daniel, of loving one another, of showing compassion towards others, of listening to those who don't believe the same way you do, rather than bashing them and rather than making a Facebook post about them, that instead you're choosing to listen to them and have compassion for them. And that when that compromise moment comes, because it's going to come, and when it comes, those in authority over us who may have different values than us, they watch our behavior. They're looking to see what you're going to do. They look at your conduct. They look at how your values bring value to them. And then they say yes, and they say, just go eat vegetables. So often I'm worried. So often I lose sleep at night over uh, that as followers of Jesus that we're compromising way too much. That as followers of Jesus, we're just like, well, my culture is different, and so I want to I reach out, and so I'm going to compromise. I'm going to cross that line and compromise my values and my beliefs. Because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Because I don't want to be the oddball out. Because I don't want to face the consequences of not believing the same thing. And I worry about that. I worry that we're killing our opportunity to be able to experience exemptions in Babylon. That we are more, that, that we are more known for what we don't believe in rather than for what we do believe in. And people don't want to be around that. Like people are tired of that. And so, but if we follow Daniel and we come to the point of saying, no matter what the compromising situation that I find myself in, I am resolved to follow Jesus who gave me the command to love one another as he has loved me. Are you resolved to do that? And how did Jesus love us? I mean, let's just be real. How did Jesus love us? Embrace yourselves for this, okay? Because some of you aren't going to want to hear this. But Jesus loved people on all sides. People, Jesus loved people on both Democratic, Democratic side and Republican side. He loved people of all sides, of all agendas, of all spectrums that existed. 
He loved people. He didn't always agree with them, but he always, always, always loved them. And when we find ourselves living in a culture that doesn't share our values, I wonder, have we established days and weeks and months and years of conduct where our culture looks at us and sees that we are adding value to it by the way we live, by the way that we love, and by the compassion that we have on all people, even if we disagree with them. Are we loving them? So let me just ask you this last question. Have you clarified your values yet? Do you know what you believe? Have you resolved in your hearts that these are my values that I'm going to hold on to? I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not going to compromise my beliefs. I'm not going to compromise what I, what I believe to be true. Have you resolved your values because many of us have, but maybe we haven't clarified how we're going to live when things don't go our way. Like, how do we live in a world that doesn't share the same values as we? It's so much easier when we've clarified what our values are. And we live a life of resolve like Daniel did. And we're willing to live with the consequences of choosing to be resolved and believing what we believe to be true. In today's story, Daniel had a good report, right? Like he got the exemption. Things turned out the way that we wanted them to. But in the chapters that come, we're gonna see that that's not always guaranteed. That Daniel didn't change. He was resolved all through his story to hold on to his values. But sometimes things don't turn out the way we want them to when we stand for what we believe to be true. Sometimes we have to live with the consequences and we'll get to that in the weeks to come. But today, what I want you to do is I want you to think about, have you identified those values in your life that you hold to be true? That's why we at Warehouse Church, we say, hey, here's our five values. Here's our five core values. You can guarantee that we're gonna do our best to love differently. We're gonna do our best to live real lives. We're gonna do our best to grow intentionally and purposefully. We're gonna think legacy always. And we're gonna celebrate the big stories and the little stories that God's writing in our lives. We are committed to those. We've drawn the line in the sand as a church. And we'll tell you, if you came to partnership class, we'll say, listen, if you can't hold on to these values, this is probably not the place for you. Because these are the things that we hold to be true. So I wonder for you, have you identified those things? Have you drawn the line in the sand of your life and said, these are the values that I'm holding on to. I'm gonna love God with all of my heart because that's what the Bible tells me to do. I'm gonna love others as he's loved me because that's what the Bible tells me to do. Those are my values. Those are the things I believe to be true. And when you can identify your values and resolve to hold on to those, it makes it a whole lot easier when you're faced with the temptation to compromise because you know what those values are and you know that you're not willing to cross the line when it comes to those things. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, 
that would be the first step. That would be the first step. Because here's what I know about God, is that God created you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And he would do whatever it takes to have that relationship with you. He did. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you might have a relationship with him. So if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, that's your first step. That's your first step. And I pray that you might take that step today. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this book in the Old Testament named after a man that was committed to his values, was committed to following after you, was committed to loving you, God, was committing to loving others. And Father, I pray for us. We live in a world that does not share the same values as we do. And Lord, it's getting harder and harder to live in this world. And Lord, the temptation to compromise, we're faced with that temptation so often. Father, I pray, I pray for my friends who have said yes to you in this room, that they would be resolved like Daniel was resolved, to hold on tightly to the values that we learn from Jesus. That we would hold on tightly to the values of love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness and peace kindness and goodness. We'd hold on to the values from you, Lord, the value maker. Lord, that we would be resolved to not compromise no matter what so that the world would also see the value and being one of yours. And Father, if there is someone in this room that's never surrendered their life to you, never given their life to you, that today would be the day. Today would be the day that they would say yes to you. Today would be the day that they say, you know what? I don't understand all of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but I know that I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior today. If that's you, just pray, come Lord Jesus. Come and be my Lord. Come and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be one of yours today. So Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for revealing to us through the life of Jesus what values we should hold on to. Lord, may we be strong enough to not give in to the temptation of compromise. May we be like Daniel May we be like Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego who were committed to living the G, living your way no matter what the cost. May we be that kind of people. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, as we wrap up today, we want to uh, sing one more song together and give our glory to God in song. But as we do, I want to invite you, if you'd like to come and spend time in prayer, we have our altar area. Our house is your house, so you're always welcome to come and spend time in prayer. And uh, if you want someone to pray with you, uh, I'm on the front row. Just tap my shoulder. I'd be happy to come and pray with you. Or grab someone sitting around you. Just say, hey, would you come pray with me? And I bet you they would. 
If you need to come and spend time in prayer, celebrating what God's doing in your life, praying for wisdom and, 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 uh, and decisions you have to make, maybe praying for courage to stand the line of holding on to your values, whatever it is, you come as we sing. Let's stand together and sing our closing song.